This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Guys, welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. I've got a couple of things I want to talk about before we dive into the episode. In today's episode, you're actually going to hear some conversation between my associate and the hunting partner, Dar Colburn. And in this episode, we are actually driving to Mexico to, to uh, preview and look at some new coos deer and Gould's turkey ranches. Uh, we oftentimes make trips down there to look at new properties. And um, uh, the audio in this uh, segment isn't the greatest. I tried to uh, get rid of the noise uh, from the vehicle uh, and the hum of the highway traffic as much as possible. But uh, there's actually some pretty good topics in here. We talk about uh, bow hunting as opposed to rifle hunting. Uh, we talk about fly fishing as opposed to regular uh, conventional types of fishing. And uh, there's some pretty good banter back and forth between Dar and I, which uh, you guys can probably relate to with uh, your hunting partner. Um, one of the things that I wanted to address first is something that's going on over at CoosWhitetail.com. Um, I'm obviously a licensed guide in the state of Arizona, an archery hunter, a rifle hunter, uh, a hunter in general. And this year, the uh, commission actually uh, put the muzzleloader hunts uh, for Unit 9 in front of the archery hunt. And while the muzzleloader hunt is going to be a fantastic hunt this year, uh, I think that the quality, I think there's going to be some big bulls shot, and I think it's going to make for... I think the timing of the archery season arguably might be better, but those bulls will be jostled around a little bit. And over at CoosWhitetail.com, there is a thread going uh, that is basically saying, Commissioner's email, stop pushing archery elk back. And I wanted to read a post. This is by a guy named Sir Royal. And it's from it, it's from the bow hunting perspective. Let me read this to you. The Arizona Game and Fish has language in fall guideline package that would allow for more muzzleloader hunts and general rifle hunts in front of the archery elk hunts. As you probably are aware, the Unit 9 elk hunt will have muzzleloaders in the field before bow hunters this year. It, it is the first time in the entire country that an elk season has been started with a more advanced weapon than a bow. Uh, There is absolutely no biological reason for this change. It's purely a social issue because there are a few that think bow hunters kill larger animals before the muzzleloader and general rifle hunters can get them. Of course, the Arizona Bow Hunter Association opposed the Unit 9 muzzleloader first hunt choice or first hunt once we found out about it for two main reasons. First, there was absolutely no public input. Number two, there is no data to show bow hunters are harvesting larger bulls than other weapon types. It's purely speculation. He goes on to say, most bow hunters would tell you that muzzle that the muzzleloader habit uh, have made it because the muzzleloader hunt is typically in the middle of the rut. They already have the highest success rate with fewer hunting days out of all weapon types. The stats would seem to back it up, and they are finding big bulls quickly and harvesting them. 
Biologists would confirm that most of the time archery elk hunts start before the rut actually gets going good. For that reason, there are bow hunters that are saying it would be a good thing to have it start after the muzzleloader because we would be in the middle of the rut for bow hunters. Yet another problem for muzzleloader early bull hunt going early is that there is going to be hundreds of bow hunters scouting for their upcoming hunt on the weekend of the muzzleloader early rifle hunt. The truth is there is no data. Nobody knows what the outcome will be for different weapon types. Opinions are all over the board for all weapon types of whether this will be good or bad. If it is for this reason, the Arizona Bowhunter Association is asking the department and commissioners to do two things. Survey the people that have been applying for early rifle elk tags and muzzleloader tags and ask what they want. Most have been waiting 15 to 20 years to get their hunt. The least we can do is ask their opinion. It could be they may not want a pre-rut hunt. Um, do not make any more changes for now and let the survey data from the people who hunt Unit 9 and find out their impression of the hunt is, is both for muzzleloader and bow hunters. After all, there's a possibility that both groups could be upset, ruining the hunt they've been waiting for for years just because we decided to act on our gut feelings. Um, please don't rush into more changes until we find out what the hunters really want. There is absolutely no advantage, advantage to rush into this. It's been working fine for years. Um, and then there's a whole list here where you can um, email the commissioners. And it's. I, I encourage you to go on coozwhitetail.com and voice your opinion. I encourage you to email the commissioners. Um, Personally, I think it's it's bogus that they brought it up right at the last. Uh, I don't think they had uh, the, the Game and Fish uh, officers and biologists support. Um, th this is me speaking uh, personally on my editorial of this article. Um, I wasn't in favor of the changes. I'm not in favor of rifle or muzzleloaders hunting before the archers. Um, I, I think the archery hunters need the two weeks. I think it makes for a great hunt for an archer. I think the muzzleloader hunters and early rifle hunters uh, you know, get a good opportunity when they're really bugling at the end of the archery hunt. And uh, I, I was not in favor of this change. I would hope that they would change it back. And it's something I wanted to bring to you guys' attention. If you have any comments, feel free to email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And I would support these groups like the Arizona Bowhunter Association and, and uh, you know, support these groups that are out there fighting for uh, what they think is right. Now, um, you know, there may be a few muzzleloader or rifle hunters out there that, that like the change, and, and that's fine. Um, but I think overall it's been working great for, for many, many years, and it makes for two great hunts. Um, I think I think this muzzleloader hunt in Unit Nine, they're going to shoot four, five, six big giant bulls, and that's great. Um, but I think you know, hundred people, there'll there'll be twenty five tags. Each group will have four or five guys with them. They'll have those elk jostled around, and and I think it's going to make for a little bit tougher archery hunt. Um, so I'll know I'm going to be up there um, guiding a elk hunter in Unit Nine, so I'll be able to report back on my findings, but. Okay, enough of that. That's on coozwhitetail.com. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up is 
Um, as you know, GoHunt.com uh, Insider is the sponsor uh, of this podcast. And uh, in April, I, I joined uh, Insider in April and um, they uh, were doing a giveaway and I actually was one of the 100 that won a phone scope uh, digiscoping adapter. And so every month they do giveaways and actually I wanted to highlight this month um, they are going to be giving away a doll sheep hunt. Uh, I'm going to read their advertisement here, but this is a free hunt to insider members. They draw one name out of the hat, and if you're an insider member, you, you're automatically in the drawing. So it's probably one of the best odds um, to draw a free uh, elk hunt um, of, of, of any out there. So... Um, the, the ad reads like this, win a doll sheep hunt. We are always looking for ways to give back to our loyal members and what better way to give back than to send someone on a hunt, hunting trip of a lifetime. In June, we will be giving away a doll sheep hunt for one hunter in the McKenzie Mountains of Northwest Territories with world-renowned Nahani View Outfitters to one of our lucky insider members. Uh, join Insider today and be entered to win this hunt hunt of a lifetime. Packages include all food, lodging, guide fees are included, plus a $2,500 travel voucher. Um, this The hunt dates are August 3rd through the 15th of this year. Uh, $22,500 value. Uh, the McKenzie Mountains are well known for giant doll sheep. Nahani Butte has a successful uh, rate nearing 100%. This is truly a place to go if you've never taken a sheep. Hunters can expect to take a 10 plus year old ram with an average horn length of 36 to 37 inches. This is a trophy sheep area, so the hunter has a possibility of taking a monarch ram breaking 40 inches. So guys, all you have to do is go on to GoHunt.com Insider. You sign up to be an insider. You must join by uh, midnight on June 30th to be eligible, and the winner is going to be drawn on July 1st. So I mean... Um, you could win that hunt and be hunting in, in when they announce it on July 1st, you can be hunting in about 40 days. So um, what a phenomenal opportunity. Um, I can attest to these giveaways because I signed up and I was uh, one of the lucky out uh, one out of a hundred that uh, won a phone scope, digiscope, so um, digiscope adapter. So uh, I just wanted to bring those two things to you guys' attention. I want to thank you guys for all your support on the podcast. Um, it, uh, it, you can follow along with us at jscottoutdoors.com. You can follow along on our YouTube channel, jscottoutdoors. Um, Instagram, at jscottoutdoors. My associate, Dar Colburn, is D-A-R-R-C-O-L-B-U-R-N. Um, appreciate all the support on... Uh, the podcast and our website and YouTube channel um, and Instagram accounts. And uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this uh, episode. It's a little rough. Um, it's a little raw and unedited. Um, but there's some great conversation and banter, which often takes place between Dar and I. And I'm sure you guys uh, do the same thing with your hunting buddies. So uh, I just want to thank you guys. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Uh, we're here mid-March and I've got my partner in crime here with me, Dark Colburn, and we're actually headed south, uh, headed to Mexico. It's 
scouting for some deer ranches, uh, and it's about six o'clock in the morning. The sun's just uh, barely breaking over here on our left side, and we are trying to squint through the windshield here, fighting the uh, cracks in the windshield from all the rocks and debris over, over, over time. Uh, we got the 2002 GMC three-quarter ton pickup towing the uh, Ranger. Um, the tires on the Ranger are probably worth more than the whole setup alone. Are. What do you think? It's been road hard and put away wet. The whole program has, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, the Koa's in the back seat are probably the most uh, yeah. valuable thing in this whole program. But... Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Dar, is, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bull hunter, but I'm I'm a rifle hunter. I'm an opportunistic hunter. I'll hunt anything. But you kind of like to hunt with your bow a little more than anything. And, you know, past president of the Bow Hunters Association, and, um, which, by the way, you guys just had your banquet. Sounds like you guys had a good banquet. Yeah, we did. It was good. It was great. Um... I wanted to talk a little bit about the mentality of, you know, we live in Arizona where it's a trophy hunting state. I mean, it's just the way it is. We have a lot of high quality animals. But then you hear from time to time, you hear the statement of, well, you know, can I chase, can I get a 140 buck with my bow or can I chase, you know, 160 ram with my bow? Or, you know, can I kill an 85 or 90 incher with my bow? I'd rather do that than kill a 100 incher with my rifle. Or, um, and my thought is always, hey, why don't you just use your bow and still try and kill the biggest thing you possibly can? And I never really understand the mentality of you know, you're going to lower your trophy standards because you're using a bow. What do you think? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I would I would say as a, as a bow hunter, you need opportunities to be successful. I mean, it, just because you, you know, are within range of an animal, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a, a shot or be able to make a shot. Whereas, in, in my feeling with, with the rifle, if, you know, I feel personally, and, I, and I'm a hunter, I'm a rifle hunter, a bow hunter. I, I enjoy hunting and hunting with, you know, anything. I do enjoy bow hunting, but I kind of feel that if you and I are within range of an animal, there's a pretty good chance it's going to get shot. And with my bow, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, there's just a lot more moving parts when you're, you're archery hunting and you need opportunities. So I think, personally, I don't think someone would not try and shoot the biggest animal, but at the same time, the success rate is lower. The, you know, the odds are more stacked against you and in favor of, let's say, the animal. And you need opportunities and, you know, if, if you're chasing a, a big one, but another one 
comes by that you'd be happy with and you have an opportunity, you know, I think you'd take it. Not always, but so, sometimes. And that goes to my point of, is it just a, from the standpoint of it's harder to kill something with a bow so that the standard of trophy is actually lower than it would be with the rifle because it's perceived and probably I'll concede that the, you know, if you're obviously using a uh, firearm, you can shoot something at, you know, three or four hundred yards, your kill ratio goes way up, whereas if you have to get inside of, say, 50 yards of something, uh, it may take, it may take a lot longer to, um, get in and get that animal harvested. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, and I mean, and I, I agree with you. I mean, that's why there's a difference in the, let's just use score, because that's kind of what we're talking about. There's a different standard for Pope and Young versus Boone and Crockett. I mean, you look at Coos Deer, the Boone and Crockett minimum is 110 for all time, and Pope and Young's like, I think, 75 now or something like that. I mean, that's a that's a significant difference. So Yeah, and I guess... I guess my point is, I I hear people draw premium tags in Arizona, and they can use their rifle, but they choose to use their bow, which is great. I, I think it's fine. It's just sometimes, to me, I feel like sometimes people use it as an excuse to say, well, I shot it with my bow, and it's, you know, I could have shot a lot, a lot of other animals with my rifle, but I decided to shoot this one with my bow, and, you know, I just kind of shake my head thinking, you know, let's take, for instance, a sheep hunt where they say, you know, I used my bow, and, you know, I could have killed a 170 ram, but I shot a 150 ram with my bow, and that's a much more... I'm much more proud of that trophy, a 150 ram with bow. And I just don't understand that logic when it's a 30-day hunt and they kill on the third day, you know, and they say, well, I shot it with my bow. I just don't get that. Why not hunt for 25 days with your bow and then if you don't get that 170 ram, go ahead and shoot it with the rifle. Yeah, I well, I, I would say that, you know, to each their own and... and Really, what matters at the end of the day is it's your trophy. You're the one who has to look at it every day for the rest of your life. If you shoot one, you know, if you decide to harvest an animal, and you know, it's gonna whatever makes the hunt special for you. It's not always just about shooting the, the biggest and baddest and best scoring, I would say. Maybe. It, it might be, you know, for some people that might be the number one thing, but for other people it might be the, you know, they're only going to get to do it once and, and they want they want to have a the experience that they're going to really remember the rest of their lives. And if doing it with a bow and just getting one with a bow means more to them than shooting the biggest animal in the unit, then that's, you know, that's their choice, I would say. No, I mean, it's obviously their choice. I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but, you know, you also, what about when guys
I say, well, I'm going to hunt with my bow, and then, I, and then I'll switch over to my rifle, which I've actually done. Um, but then, like, two days go by, and, you know, the bow gets thrown down, and they're all of a sudden back to being a rifle hunter. I, I just kind of smile sometimes, to, it's just funny how some people are. I wanted to get your opinion on how that works when, you know, you've heard a lot of people say they're going to use their bow and then, like, you know, after the morning hunt, they're already switching to a rifle. Why yeah, is that with bow hunters? Why don't well, they just I, stick with the bow and go with the bow the whole time? I've, I've, the bow. I've also heard the other way around that people are bow hunters and they, they I, I know a guy, a friend that had a tag, he's a bow hunter. And he was going to use his bow and got talked out of it for a sheep hunt. Shot his ram opening morning with a rifle and regrets that he didn't use, try and use his bow. Because, you know, misinformation. So I think, I think it can work both ways. I mean, you're only going to get to do it once. So you might as well, especially on like a sheep hunt, I mean... You might as well do it the way you want to do it, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. But do you also agree that you've heard of a lot of circumstances where guys all summer long are practicing with their bow and they're going to do the hunt with their bow, and then, like, a couple days into the hunt, I mean, a couple days into a 30-day hunt or whatever, you hear that the bow gets turned down and now all of a sudden they're a rifle hunter. How much of that do you think is frustration of not being able to get close to an animal or how much of it is you know time constraints and just deciding well let's just get it over I think both and I, I think I think you really got to know your your circumstances I mean sure the, the sheep hunts a 30 day season in Arizona but you know a lot of people can't take 30 days I mean that's just unrealistic most people have a hard enough time doing a week for a hunt, I would say. I mean, we've guided long enough. You know how people are. They they always have time constraints, uh, family, work, that sort of thing. Uh, so I would say that, that definitely, there's pressures there. And then, you know, it, it would be one thing if you're in a unit where there's a lot of animals and you have a lot of opportunities. But if you're in a unit where you don't have a lot of opportunities and you need to cash in on the one you do, you know, it might not be as conducive to bow hunting. So I think there, I mean, there is definitely, I would, I would love to use my bow on a sheep hunt if I ever drew a tag, but there's definitely some units that I wouldn't even bring my bow because I know the opportunity is going to be, I mean, there's going to be an opportunity, one or two, you know, and for archery, I think you need some, you need multiple opportunities, I would say. So let's say you draw, you finally draw in Arizona for a desert bighorn sheep. And let's say it's in a unit that it's conducive for bow hunting. Sure. And let's say you decide that you're going to use your bow. Are you going to even have a rifle in camp for the first... 15 days, or if you see a big ram, are you, 
is it going to automatically make you switch from your bow to your rifle and shoot the ram and and why or why not well i i i definitely think i would have a rifle in camp for sure and you know like i said it would depend on the circumstances for me personally if there was a a ram that was hands down way above anything else I had seen scouting and there's one of them then I would potentially take the rifle sure it, because there's there's one opportunity there is what I would say potentially where if there's a you know a handful of rams that are maybe smaller but they're all the same size and you don't see that big one, then I would probably continue to use my bow for a significant amount of time. Yeah. That's just my opinion on how I, I look at it. That, you know, our buddy Brian Remsa on his Rocky Mountain um, sheep hunt, you know, he's drawn and, you know, he's a bow hunter. Absolutely. And to my knowledge, like, I mean, he didn't even have a rifle in camp and it was never even a, it was never even a debate. Um, whether he was going to use his bow or not. He was going to harvest a ram with his bow, and I think you almost have to do that. If, if you're going to go with the bow, I think you almost have to just commit and go with the bow. And But I think it's unfortunate sometimes on once-in-a-lifetime type hunts, like a sheep hunt, when someone says, well, I could have shot this ram and this ram and this ram with my rifle, but I ended up taking this ram, and I've heard guys that are like let down and somewhat dejected because that's their one sheep that they have, you know, if they're going to mount it, put it on their wall or whatever. And, you know, I think there is some regret later down the road where they're like, yeah, I did shoot it with my bow, but man, you know, I could have had that, you know, wide flaring ram or, you know, there's, so. I just, sometimes I don't understand the mentality uh, of bow hunters. And, you know, I am a bow hunter, but I'm a rifle hunter. I'm a, you know, I'll throw rocks at them, slingshots, spears, whatever it calls for. Um, I've, you know, it's hard because we live in a state that, you know, is so trophy-oriented. I think it's kind of challenging to get out of that mindset and just say, you know, I'm going to go with the bow and anything that presents me a good shot, I'm just going to shoot it and I'm going to be happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it comes down to just personal preference and what, what you're going to be happy with and for each, everybody hunts and for a different reason and everybody's, you know, you might be happy with, with one thing and I might be happy with another thing. So I guess standards are different for everybody. And, um, you know, it's personal preference, I would say. Yeah. I, I will say that's one thing I really enjoy about turkey hunting is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a calling hunt. And if they come into your call and they're strutting and gobbling, I mean, they're going to get shot at. They're, they're, you know, it's, it's not like, well, does it have an 8 inch beard or a 12 inch beard or a 5 inch beard? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, he's strutting and that's a mature gobbler. And, 
you know, whether he's two years old or four years old, it doesn't really matter. Right. But you and I go back and forth because I'd like to use my bow with the turkeys and you're kind of thinking I'm bringing a knife to a gunfight when I do that sometimes. And no, my biggest thing with, with uh, bows and turkeys is I, I just think a turkey's made to be shot in the face with shotgun pellets. I think it's a perfect animal to shoot their beaks off. And, I mean, it's great if you want to use your bow. And, you know, it's just the perfect animal to shoot shotgun pellets at. Well, I have shot a turkey with my bow, by the way. I know you have. I know you have. have. I know. And, and for, for me personally with the turkey... I've shot enough turkeys now that, I, I mean, I like to shoot them, but it's about, like you said, it's about the calling and interacting, and it's really not about the trophy, necessarily, on a turkey, so I don't need to shoot a turkey, so if I do shoot one and I use my bow, it, it means more to me than just shooting them one with a shotgun, if that Why makes sense. Why? Why? Because of the challenge, because it's harder. It's definitely harder. I mean, if a turkey comes in with a shotgun, there's a pretty good chance it's going to die. And with the bow, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, there's a lot more moving parts when you're using a bow. And especially if you're, you know, not so using like, a blind. But, it's a challenge. Is it, is it like, I'm going to go to the stream today with a four-foot fly rod because it's more of a challenge to cast the rod than an eight-foot or nine-foot rod? I mean, at some point... No, but it's a dry fly fishing versus nymphing. I mean, it's, yeah, we can put three BBs on and two flies and a strike indicator thingamabobber and dredge the bottom and catch a bunch of fish, or we can have a big stimulator rigged up and fish the little pockets that, or wait for a fish to rise and spot it, stock it, and cast and catch it on the dry fly. It's how you do it. Can you catch more? Sure. Yeah. Could you kill more turkeys with the shotgun? Yes. But it's, you know, sometimes after you've caught a lot of fish, it becomes how you do it. Gotcha. No, that that, I mean, does that make I, sense to you? Yeah, I think um, you brought up a good point, though. And let's just cut to the chase on this one. <laughs> what is it about fly fishermen? And I mean, you, both you and I are fishermen and fly fishermen. Absolutely. But what is it about fly fishermen and the strike indicator? I think, let's just, it's a bobber. It is. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's, it's a bobber for fly fishing. There's no. Yeah. So, I love the thing of the bobbers. Uh, you can get them in all sizes. Oh, yeah. And I'm never one to be ashamed of throwing lead and Absolutely. double and triple nymphs and weight and Absolutely. anything that'll catch fish. You like to catch fish, yeah. as do I. There are times, though, throughout the summer that I just want to take my dry fly rod and I won't even take my nymph box and I'll just fish dries. And then there's times when I'll throw a stick of dynamite in there if I have so that, let's go back full circle with the bow hunting versus rifle hunting and shotgun hunting versus archery. Let's go throw this back 
to you. You're on a place, let's say the White Mountain Apache Reservation for turkeys, where we both hunted there. There's a lot of turkeys, a lot of opportunity. It's a target-rich environment. Yes. So, on a place like that, why wouldn't you, where there's lots of opportunities, lots of target-rich environment, rather than just call one in and shoot with a shotgun, why wouldn't you use your bow? Why? Well, I, I, I know you have. I have but actually used my bow, but I guess as many turkeys as I've killed and as many turkeys as I've seen killed, I'm still in the mode of I love shooting them in the face. Um, you know, I still get as shook up on a strutting turkey as any animal in the woods. A bighorn sheep, an elk bugling at five yards. I don't know what it is about a turkey, but it seems like every turkey that I call in for a client, every turkey that I call in for myself or family or friends, I have the same reaction the first time I ever hunted them. And that is my hands shake. Oh, yeah. Heart's and beat my fast, heart's beating, yeah. and I go crazy. I can have a bull elk standing at five yards, you know, peeing on me, and it's cool, but I get shook up over turkeys. I answer your question. To me, bow hunting turkeys is a little bit inefficient. You know, you you call the thing in, you do everything right, and it comes in, and then it sees you draw your bow. You know, and then so, okay, you gotta go call another one in, and that's the fun part of it, is calling it in. But there's also a part of it of efficiently killing something. So the fun part of it is, is calling it in. So with that being said, you call it in, and boom, you shoot with the shotgun, your hunt's over. Or you can use a bow, and let's say it takes you four or five times to call. You have to call four or five birds in, and you finally get one with your bow. Now you've had five times, four times the excitement, and you've got one with your bow. That's true, but you also weigh into the fact, or I do at least, with bow hunting turkeys. And I've yet to go to the method where you're, you're shooting them in the head with those guillotines or something where it's you're missing or killing but I have seen turkeys fly off after you shoot them and I don't think a bow yes if they're hit in the right spot is every bit as deadly as anything else as a shotgun but I I know cases where birds fly off and guys never find them I would argue I've I've hit birds with a shotgun that I've not got. I agree. And I've, I guarantee you, birds have been peppered and, you know, not got with a shotgun. I agree. And with the bow, so that, you know, I, I would argue that you can't argue that a shotgun is not more efficient than a, than a bow. You cannot. If you take, I'm not arguing that. hundred bow hunters and a hundred shotgun hunters, your efficiency rate with a shotgun is going to be. Way more than absolutely, absolutely. I'm not arguing that at all. So, let's just face it: turkeys are made to be shot in the face with a shotgun. I don't know. I like shooting them with the bow. Back, back to the fly fishing thing, and we've all been there. You've done it. I've done it. 
what is it about the mentality of that fly fishing is the better way to do it? And I mean, I fly fish as much as anybody. Well, I st- let me tell you it's how like I elite, started. It's like an elite. And, and, and I'll be honest, I see it somewhat in the bow hunting community, not as much with the, with the, as much as the snobby fly fishermen, but, and I am a snobby fly fisherman, so I'm not going to, like, pull myself out of that category, but what is it about those two that it's like, oh, well, you shot it with a rifle, so, oh, it's, you know. Well, I would say. you caught it, you yeah. caught it with a spinner. So you're not as good. I would say, first of all, we just have to keep in mind that we're all out there for the same reason. Whether it's with a bow, a rifle, we enjoy being in the outdoors, in nature, and hunting and fishing. So we got to, you know, too many times there's these rifts between, you know, bow hunters, hunt rifle hunters, muzzleloader hunters, fly fishermen, bait fishermen. Bottom line is we're all out there because we enjoy it. So we got to keep that in mind and not work against each other. Uh, for me, I, I, I want to tell you kind of how I started fly fishing and the reason I started fly fishing. Uh, my family has got a cabin on this stream up uh, near Sedona on Oak Creek for over Thanksgiving for almost 30 years, 20-some years. And so when I was a kid, you know, 10, 10 years old, 8 years old, we would go up there for Thanksgiving for five days every year. And there's a stream, Oak Creek. And I would get my spinner, my MEP spinner, my power bait, whatever it was. Three years in a row, I fished from, you know, when it got light till before dark, I was fishing on the creek. But like a month beforehand, if you're like me, I mean like, you read every magazine. Definitely. You had your tackle gear all organized, and I mean, you were all in on this deal. Oh, definitely. Like, like you thought about it. Field and stream. I mean, I had the field and stream, outdoor life. You know, that was what I was all about. Yeah. And literally, I fished. You were on the water the whole time. Three years, most of the days, every day we were up there, I fit. I was out fishing. I never caught a fish. Not one. And the third year I was, and I would fish, you know, a mile and a half, two miles of creek. I would just walk and fish and fish and fish. I came across two guys fly fishing. And here I am three years into it, not caught a fish. And I asked them how they'd done that morning. And they said, oh, they caught three or four a piece and they were fly fishing. And I thought, dude, I need to figure this program out because here I am three years into it and I haven't caught a fish. Efficiency rate isn't very good. No, and and these guys caught three or four that morning and here I am three years into it and so I really started learning and reading about fly fishing in it. The thing thing that got me to switch or to not not necessarily to switch but to to learn about it and, and start fly fishing is because you're with, with for trout in particular you're imitating what they are naturally eating so in my opinion 
your chances of catching them are way greater because you're imitating exactly what they eat every day. Whereas, you know, a piece of power bait or a flashy spinner flying across their face isn't natural to them. And the fly fishing, you know, it's a natural presentation of what they so eat every day. how old were you when you actually first got your fly rod and you're like, okay, I'm switching tactics? I was 10. And 10 years old. 10. And a guy, my dad, a guy in my dad's office, uh, or a friend of his, took us up to Lee's Ferry, Colorado River. Your first trip? First. Well, I had fly fished on Oak Creek, that, you know, and... and caught some fish there, but the first actual, like, you know, major place that I went fly fishing was was Oak Creek. A um, friend of my dad, Sal, took us up there, and, you know, I, I ended up catching over the weekend, you know, probably 10 or 12 fish on the fly route. At least fair. At least fair, and it just hooked. So this guy, uh, did he used to own a fly shop or something, or? No, he was an attorney out of uh, Prescott, but he... So this guy took you and your dad up there and kind of showed you the ropes yep. of yep. how to do it. And yep. I mean, were you just absolutely hook, line, and sinker? Oh, yeah. I had the... I had the... I got the Mel Krieger Essence of Fly Fishing book and VHS video and literally would spend an hour to two hours a day in the yard casting, practicing my casting. That's awesome. So that's how I got started, and that's why I, I would say I fly fish, started fly fishing versus, you know, spinner fishing for for trout. Now, each species is different, though. You know, I mean, sometimes fly fishing is ineffective for, like, for bass. It's harder where we live to catch them on a fly than it is using a rubber worm. So, so I would use the rubber worms yeah. in that circumstance. So you're not so much of a snob that, that you know, if it calls for a uh, uh, drop shot, calls for, no. you know, plastics and, you know, spinner baits or whatever right. it calls for, that's what you're using. Yeah, and, and I think we can bring this full circle to the bow hunting aspect of it. If I'm out bass fishing and I've got my fly rod in the boat, and I'm every cast catching a fish on my drop shot or whatever it is, or they're chasing shad, and every cast I'm catching a pound fish on my bait caster. Whereas I could pull out my fly rod, and maybe it's every 10 casts I catch one on the fly rod, it would be more enjoyable for me. And I would say the same thing with bow hunting is. Well, I, I agree with what you're saying. What what you're saying is that at a certain point you enjoyed a bow hunt. So bringing this full circle and back to what we were talking about before. Is this a trap? It's not a trap, but I'm just bringing it around. You're bass fishing, and it's a wide open bite, top water bite. You've got your fly rod in the boat, but you've got your, your bait caster, and you're catching a bass, you know, nice, fast every cast on your bait caster. You've got your fly rod there, 
Me personally, after I caught a few, I would put the bait caster down, and it might take me five or ten casts to catch a fish on the fly rod, but I'd get more enjoyment out of it after a while because, you know, after a while, every cast, you know, you're catching a bass versus now you're working at it a little bit more. It's more of a challenge, and you're using your fly rod. I, I would relate the same thing to archery. I would say if they're all the same pound and a half bass, then yeah, at that point it becomes just catch it with whatever you want, switch back and forth. And but it's, it's fine. the way you do it. I mean, it's more of a challenge. I understand. Right? But if there's ten pound bass to catch or one pound bass to catch, and if you can't get to them with the fly, but you can throw plastics or whatever. Dynamite? And dynamite and get in there and catch a 10-pound bass. I'd probably rather catch the 10-pound bass than dink around with a pound and a half, you know, bass. If we're talking about all 10-pound bass, then yeah, I can see switching back and forth. That's just the thing I don't get with the bow so, mentality. So, let me ask you this. If you're going bass fishing, then, you're going to put on the 18-inch Senko worm that most bass are going to run away from because it's so big. No, no. And you're going to dredge the bottom for the just the the world record largemouth that can is big enough to eat that thing. Is that, and not catch a fish for, you know, five trips. But when you do, it's, it, it's a giant. Yeah, that's I mean, how you're gonna fish. Well, no, not all the time, but definitely fly fishing. I mean, I'm a streamer junkie, and a lot of times when you're fishing with streamers, you're you can either catch just hand over. Wait a minute! Fish. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So when you're fly fishing and there's a hatch going off, the small, the bigger fish usually are not caught on a dry. Right. So you're telling me you're gonna sling your lead and your thingamabobber I have. over the top of those suckers to I catch. Have. But, but that's how you're exclusively going to fish? No. That's how the bigger fish are? No. I, Wait a minute, no, what? I didn't say that. <laughs> what I said is, if there's opportunities to catch bigger fish, I'm absolutely at the stage where I'm probably going to throw whatever the big fish are eating. But you're saying, but you're relating it, I'm bringing this around. Okay. You're saying that you don't understand the bow hunter mentality. But I'm saying... I don't understand the bow hunter. I'm going to settle for this because I shot it with my bow. Well, you're That's... settling it because you you caught it with your dry fly versus slinging the lead. No, I just said I'll sling lead for big fish. But you still fish with the dry fly when they're rising and you're catching smaller fish because you enjoy it. Right? Yeah. I mean... There are times okay, when so... I enjoy a nice green drake hatch or a nice caddis hatch where What's the I'm difference? just catching fish. The difference is I don't sit there and, and make excuses saying, well, I was dry fly fishing, so I, I didn't go after any of those big ones. Really? Yeah. I don't know. And I just see a little bit of, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but it, it, it tends to bother me a little bit when someone says, well, I shot it with my bow. And I want to say, well, what, you know, well, when why I, does that make it better or worse? Because you shot it with your bow. Why didn't you shoot the biggest one with your bow? Because you got the whole hunt off, you know? You, you've taken two weeks off of work and you're done on the third day, but you shot it with your bow. It's like, that's like saying, I don't get it. You're spending your summer but, fly fishing and 
Why are you even bothering bringing a dry fly box? Because the statistics say the biggest fish don't come up for dries. The big nasties are on the bottom. That's so right. don't even bring but your... sometimes I'm not fishing for the big nasties. Oh. But hunting's a little different ah. because fishing you can go and catch 40 in a day when sometimes these guys draw these premium tags and they, they shoot, I'm sorry, but they shoot a small animal on the third day when they have 14 more days left off of work and they say, oh, I shot it with my bow and I just go... Well, why didn't you shoot it on the 12th or 13th or 14th day with your bow? I understand that. Why be done on the third day and now what? You got to go back home? I, I don't get that. That's why fishing's a little different because usually you have opportunities to catch, you know, 20, 30, 40 fish. That's what I'm saying. But, uh-huh. <laughs> I, th- I think it, it I, I mean, there obviously is differences, but I think in some ways there's similarities, you know what I mean? Um, the one thing I would say with bow hunting, and, and I, I, I'm i just playing the devil's advocate. I do agree with a lot of what you're saying, but it doesn't make good conversation if I just agree with you. But I will say that to, to what you were saying, why doesn't the guy wait till the you know last day or two and then shoot one like that with his bow. Bow hunting, a lot of times, you need opportunities, and you can't wait sometimes till the last day or two and then decide, hey, I'm going to go get one when it might not happen. You know what I mean? I mean, you need opportunities I, with the bow. And I think if you're going to bow hunt, you need to go with your bow and leave the rifle at home. Now, I'm... I'm being a hypocrite because I have done exactly what I'm talking about where I've gone with my bow and then I shoot it with the rifle. So I am being hypocritical. I'll be the first to say that. Well, I definitely think, you know, if you if you want to do it with your bow and it really means a lot to you. But does it really mean that much more to you because you shot it with the bow? That's someone's I mean, I can't answer that it's for like somebody saying, else, though. I, you know, I caught him on a dry fly, so it means that much more than if I caught him with a bobber and, you know, two split shot and three fly rig. Does it really, or are you just enjoying fishing? Well, I think we're all enjoying it, but I can't answer that, you know, if it's going to mean more to, to you with the rifle or bow. It might not. To me, it might. I mean, that's individual, you know, their individual preference. I can tell you it is about 6.45 in the morning and the sun is just, the Arizona sun is just powering its way over Tucson, Arizona right now and I'm an idiot. I forgot my sunglasses at home. Yeah, and I'm going to have to hear about it for the next no, three I'm days. No, I'm going to stop <laughs> up here and buy a pair of pink 999 <laughs> Ray-Bans or something uh-huh. at Walmart. Gotcha. Okay, so you're coming around my way of thinking. I'm bringing it full, full circle. You did kind of catch me in a trap on I that. did, didn't I? I don't know. The, the bottom line is we all enjoy the outdoors, hunting, fishing. And the, the, we get caught up 
too many times in how it was done, and we're all out here. For we the should same all reason. just get along. The, the reality is, we all like to feel the bend of the rod. Absolutely. You know, you were talking about enjoy the outdoors and all that, and that that that's great. But let's face it, fishermen like to feel a bend of the rod. They like to see the fish flash. They like to feel the tug. That's what fishing is about for most people. If you just went the whole time and it was just nature, then it would just be, why don't you just go on and, you know, sit by a river and listen to it. Or read a book. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not out there to, yeah. to just... And, and let's be honest, with hunting, it's to put food on the table and it's to look down the sights of whatever you're sighting in and, you know, make that shot and, you know, sure. kill what you're after. Period. Absolutely. To be successful. I mean, yeah. we want to catch stuff and we want to kill stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I don't know. I think uh, in order to get people hooked on hunting and fishing, gotta they got to be, success. yeah, they got to have some success. If they, if they go out, you know, once or twice and don't have any, then the chances of them returning I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, banter back and forth between Dar Colburn and myself. Uh, one more thing I wanted to draw your attention to is the Arizona Big Game Super Raffle. Uh, you can go to www.arizonabiggamesuperraffle.com and you can purchase raffle tickets. Um, and these are 365 day uh, hunts. Um, I can attest to these hunts. Uh, Dar and I have been fortunate. Actually, we guided uh, the Desert Bighorn Sheep Hunter uh, three years in a row. Um, and I just got done guiding the uh, Turkey uh, Super uh, Big Game uh, or Big Game Super Raffle Hunter, uh, Michael Turner from um, Alabama. And I've known uh, a friend, Charlie Wilmer, drew the. Um, uh, mule deer tag a few years back a friend of mine brad richardson drew the coos deer tag a few years back and it's just an awesome opportunity to one raise money for the state of arizona and two uh create an opportunity of a lifetime and uh every year someone wins in each one of the categories and there's a tag for antelope, black bear, buffalo, coos whitetail, desert bighorn sheep, elk, javelina, mountain lion, mule deer, and turkey, which the turkey they can either hunt goulds or merriams. Uh, there's also a Swarovski optics raffle and a New Mexico trophy elk hunt raffle. And all that money goes back into the state of Arizona. And one of the things that I thought I would uh, mention here is that the the tickets are on sale until by mail uh july 10th and online sales end on july 12th and then they're going to have the uh drawing on july 23rd and i thought i would go over um the prices antelope is twenty dollars black bear is five dollars Buffalo 20, Coos Whitetail 10, Desert Bighorn 25, Elk 25, Havelina 5, Mountain Lion 5, Mule Deer 20, Turkey 5, uh, the op Swarovski Optics Package 10, and New Mexico Elk is uh, $20 each or 6 for 100. 
Um, so an awesome, awesome opportunity to draw a hunt of a lifetime and to also uh, raise money. Um, uh, interesting, last year, the 2014 results, uh, we raised $510,930 for wildlife. Now this money, there was 29,746 raffle tickets uh, that, that were purchased. And this money goes directly, I mean, every dollar goes directly to wildlife and wildlife management for the particular species. Uh, so the, the antelope tag uh, raised 38,000, the bear tag raised 7,900, the buffalo tag raised 38,000, the coos deer 28,000, desert bighorn sheep was 151,000, elk was 121, Javelina was 6,900, the mountain lion was 7,300, the mule deer was 96,000, and the turkey was 14,000. So that money goes straight back to that, that, that species, and it's just a phenomenal opportunity to have a chance to win an incredible hunt, but more importantly, to support our wildlife. So guys, go check out the Arizona Big Game Super Raffle. And I uh, hope you can be one of the lucky winners. I'm going to buy my tickets this year and, and hope I can win a, win a hunt. Uh, I've known several people that have won them, so it, it definitely happens. It's not one of these that you never know anybody that actually wins the tag. Um, and, you know, I think your odds, if you look at it, your odds are pretty darn good um, if you continually year after year buy, buy these uh, tickets. So uh, thanks for supporting the podcast, guys. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today.